in the sixth chapter of Kings, the second Kings tonight, I want to take a record here from the Word of God that I trust will bless all of our people. I know many of you who come to who came to the Rock of Ages this year really had to make a fantastic decision in your life because you were at PFAL 77 and you just had to believe God to work out things so that you might be a part of this 35th anniversary year celebration of both the PFAL 77 and the Rock of Ages. And then some of you had to believe so fantastically that you were not only a part of PFAL 77, but you were also in the advanced class and now here at the Rock of Ages. This is just fantastic. And I am confident the reason you believe that is because of the greatness of the love of God that you have in your heart because of the integrity and the accuracy of God's Word. Today I took a little trip through what over here where all Canaan's land is, and I saw some very wonderful things that blessed my heart, one of which was somebody had written, I think it's across their tent, God is light and I'm plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Somebody else is quite a masseur, and he had the bottom of it. God has no hands but our hands. So, uh, and I love the intellectual humility with which the word can be received, and I love that because I believe the word of God is the greatest logic, the greatest accuracy. I think it takes brains to be a wonderful Christian who loves God. And I think you're that kind of people. Many of us went through the stages in our life where we were just told to take things by faith. Nobody could explain it. Nobody wanted to explain it. They couldn't or something. And they said, well, you just have to believe it by faith. You take it by faith. Well, there are very few of us who take our physical meals by faith. Sooner or later, you've got to bite into that hamburger or that hot dog, or you've got to eat that wonderful pizza, especially if you're Italian uh, or something, or from the Bronx. <laughs> There are many, many things in God's Word we take by believing, but not by faith. Faith is a spiritual job. It's an inside job. It's the bridge that spans the chasm between God and man. And that bridge is Christ Jesus. And He is the one who made faith available so that you and I could walk by believing. Some of you have heard me say that I never even had a blind date in my life. Right. If I was going to take a gal out and spend five bucks on her or ten, I want to see what she looks like before I take her out. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're beautiful. Well, 
I told you last night that to heal means to restore to health. When there's no cause to be removed, nothing to cast out. Secondly, I said, it is to do a cure. Thirdly, is to make sound or make whole. And I do not know if I mentioned the fourth one that's in the Bible, but the fourth one is to reconcile, to bring back that which has been separated. He said in Psalm 107, verse 20, this which is on the wall, on the backdrop here, that God sent his word and healed them. There's a record here in 2 Kings that is very instructional. In verse 8 it says the king of Syria warred against Israel. He had a fight last night, he still got it going tonight. And this wonderfully great king of, of Syria took counsel with his servants. This is with his military men. He got all his top brass together and they had a meeting saying, in such and such a place, we're going to build our camp. That's where we're going to have our headquarters. From there, we're going to move out to defeat Israel. But, verse 9, the word and is but, the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down, are coming down, the participle form. The man of God, I don't know how he did this, he most likely sent a special courier, maybe Western Union, I don't know. He sent a man of God, sent to the king of Israel, saying, beware of such and such an entrance, because there the Syrians are set up and they're coming down through that entrance. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once nor what. That means time and time again. The man of God by revelation, saw what was going to happen, he called up the king and said, King, the Syrians are going to come down through that pass tomorrow. So don't go through it, but set up all your machine guns and all your crossfire and everything else so when they come down there, you'll go boom, 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 and you just knock them off. And he saved himself, not once, not twice, many times. Time and time again he did this. Four, five, six times. Now this is really significant because that little Israeli army could not have stopped the Syrian army. The Syrians had all the massive armament, everything that they could possibly need. They had they could tear up Israel any time they wanted to from that point of view. But there was a man of God in Israel. That's one great truth, but people, there's another great truth. There was a king who listened to him. That's right. 
The man at the head of state listened to the word, the man of God. Today we don't listen to men of God. We go to Jeannie Dixon's, hokey folks, spiritualists. That's right. Mackenzie King ran your country of Canada all his years, most of the time by getting information from a spiritualist. And you've had nothing but buildup of trouble. Our leaders have done the same thing. In one sense, you can blame them because many of our leaders have belonged to the organized system and they know deep in their heart they haven't got anything to offer. And they see certain signs, they see certain things happening in the other category and they say, well, those people have a connection, let's get the information from them. But here we had a king of Israel. He believed what the man of God said. And the man of God just sent the word down saying the Syrians are set up over there. They're coming down through that valley or they're coming this valley. And the people of Israel got their armament set up and they boom, boomed them. And they never got there. Now you put yourself in the place of that mighty king of Syria. You've got the greatest army in the world the strongest army in the world, the best trained, you've got everything. And there's that little bunch of Israelite guys coming down and mopping up on you. You're going to have a problem in your head, right? Why is it happening? How's come, how's come they're blocking everything we're doing and they're so tight that a little handful of them can defeat us? That was his problem, says so in the verse, verse 11. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore, what? Troubled. Well, it ought to be for this thing. And he called his servants. These are his chief of staff. Called his servants. And he said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? I've got a fifth columnist in this outfit. That's right. I've got somebody in my top echelon, in my chief of staff. Somebody is reporting to the king of Israel, and I want to tell you something. We're not going to leave this room until I find out who's doing it. So he flipped the Yale lock on, put the bolt on, and everybody stayed there because the king had somebody in his outfit who he believed was telling the king of Israel what was happening, their plans. <laughs> Verse 12, And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Wow! <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't you like that? <laughs> that. He said, no, O king, nobody's telling, telling Israel what's happening. But there's a man by the name of Elisha down there, a man of God. And that man of God is telling the king what you're doing in your bedroom. <laughs> that's quite a figure of speech, isn't it? I mean, that's really opening things up. Yeah. And this made the king rather irate. 
And he said in verse 13, you go spy him out. He sent his FBI out or whatever he had. And he said, go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. He had to be from Kentucky or Tennessee or someplace. <laughs> Either that or training a retriever to fetch. That I may send and fetch him. <laughs> and finally, they found out where he was. They was told the king saying, oh, he's down south down there in Dotham. Therefore, send he the king thither horses, chariots, and a great what? Host. You know who they're going after? One little old prophet. <laughs> Just one little old man of God. Yeah. You know, and he's about 5'4", weighs 119 and a half. <laughs> after dinner, 120. <laughs> Yeah, just a little old prophet, a skinny little old prophet. And the king, the king said thither, horses, chariots, and a great host. And you know, they came by night. Nobody knew this. They just got in there because they were not going to let that prophet live, man. They're going to get him. They came by night. And they circled the whole city of Dotham. Compassed the whole city round about. About 4.30 the next morning, the servant of the man of God was up because it says he had risen, what? Early. <laughs> you know, he didn't sleep in till 11, watch TV till 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> and God forth. And behold, a host compassed the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what are we going to do? How shall we do? He came running back in the house, breathless, saying, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The whole city's compassed about with the Syrians. <laughs> and Elisha answered, We're going to freak. Run up the white flag. No. Here it is again, like in the foundational class, first session, fear what? Fear is the only enemy that ever destroys any believer or anybody. Fear is sand in the machinery of life in large amounts. And he answered, the man of God, Elisha, answered to his servant. He said, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they be with them. Now, that is sort of flip. My goodness, only he and his servant. And yet he made that fantastic statement. There are more with us than that host of Syrians that have compassed the city round about. And Elisha prayed, verse 17, and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes, open the eyes of my servant that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes, these are the spiritual eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses, of chariots, of fire round about Elisha. <laughs> yeah, quite something, isn't it? There's a record in the Old Testament where two and a half million people moved 
A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by what? That's right. The cloud was so thick during the day that the Egyptians couldn't see him. Right. And the fire was so hot at night that they couldn't get to him. Cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Two and a half million people God protected. Boy, what a God. Same God then as now. Note two gods, only one God and Father of our Lord. Only one true God, same God tonight, sir, as that God in that day. Same God. He could take care of that little old prophet out there in Dotham. Could take care of the children of Israel after their slavery of over 400 years and get them out of Egypt toward the promised land, finally into it. Same God. Well, they came in in the morning, boy. They just, you know, like you hunt foxes, you close right in on them. They came down to him. They were going to get Elisha. And Elisha prayed and said, Hey, Lord, smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of what? There's a fantastic truth. The greatness of the permissive will of God under a man of God is sometimes absolutely astounding in the word. Now, God does not go around making people blind, but when God takes his protecting hand off and there is no believing of that man of God for protection upon the people, then the adversary has the free reign to just suck it to him. And that's exactly what happened here. They became blind. And they became blind according to the word of Elisha. Because what happened is the protection of God Almighty, the true God, was gone. And the adversary just socked it to him. When I speak of countries having believers in it, as long as that believer, honey, really stands for God and walks on the word that you don't screw up, that you don't mess up, that you're not always out in left field or half the time out in left field, God's protection is on that country where you are, people. It's that big. And if you're in a country, you're in a community. If you're a community, you're in a little area. If you're in a little area, you're in a home. God's protection is in that home, in that community, in that section of the country. It is in that country, people. You take the truth of God's word out of a country, and that country is just going to get beat. Well, Elisha goes over and has a little talk with him. He said unto them, uh, this is not the way. See, <laughs> Elisha knew it. Neither is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to where? Samaria. The old bird. Verse 20. And it came to pass when they were coming to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. 
And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Now, that'd be a rude awakening, wouldn't it? <laughs> Being in Sydney, Ohio tonight and waking up in Cincinnati tomorrow morning. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? Shall I cut them in pieces? This is the king of Israel. The king who had been hearkening to the voice of the prophet that we read about. Now, they got this, the, the great, you know, they got the crack troops of Samaria. And they're right there. And all they would need to do is just take their sword and chop their heads off. And, you know, push them down the hill or something. <laughs> the king of Israel really wanted to. He really wanted to chop them off. But the man of God answered in verse 22, Thou shalt not smite them. Thou shalt not smite them. That was the will of the Lord, not to smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with the bow? Set bread and water before them, which means give them food. Steak. That they may eat and drink and go back to their leader, their master, their general. And he, he prepared great provisions for them. He made them a real banquet, a banquet for the enemy. He made them a great banquet. And when they had eaten and drunken, he sent them away. And they went back to the, their master, so the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. <laughs> and all because there was one man of God there and a king who believed that when that man of God spoke, it was true. That's right. And as far as I'm able to check history, and some of you historians perhaps will be able to document it better someday than I know it tonight, but as far as I can check history, there's a period of almost 50 or more years in here when there never was a fight between Syria and Israel. Why? Because one man of God walked by the revelation. And when the adversary had stricken him with blindness, God by revelation showed him that he could believe for them to be delivered and he prayed that the enemies who had been struck by blindness be healed. And their blindness disappeared and then he further instructed them to feed them give them great provisions, give them a big banquet, and they went back to the king of Samaria, of Syria, reported what Israel had done, and the armies went back home to Damascus area, and for years and years and years and years, there was peace in Israel. All because a man of God walked by revelation. And walking by revelation... He was able to see that the hand of God was being withdrawn. They were being made blind. 
And then he took them and he led them back to the city of Samaria. Then by revelation, God showed him, you believe for those unbelievers to be healed. He believed they were healed. He fed them. He fed them and they went back home. People want a record in God's word. And the word of God's the will of God and we'll never know how to walk, how to really move with the greatness of God's word until we understand these things and their greatness from God's word. The king thought he had them, right? He said the thing to do, chop their head off now. Chop them off, we'll have no more trouble. But God knew if they'd have chopped their head off, there'd have just been hordes of others coming at that time. So instead of chopping their head off, they just gave them a good meal and sent them home. And they reported in how wonderful these people were and everybody went back home and they lived happily for years and years to come. All because of the Spirit of God in a man walking by revelation, ministering deliverance to the arch enemy of Israel, the Syrians. That is a record of great deliverance in the Word. And as you study it, as you keep working it, it dawns upon you how fantastically great our God really is. How his knowledge and his love is so fantastically beyond ours that we just have to learn to walk with the love of God and the revelation of the greatness of his divine presence. Because it is by his mercy and by his grace, people, that any of us are here tonight. 